0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Study in Games, a podcast by Little Rock Games where every month we play a new game and then we come here and we discuss the game design of the game, the story, and our opinions of, on it. This month we played Wilder Myth, a game by Worldwalker Games. And I'm Robbie Hunt. I'm Brad. I'm Joe. I'm Olivia. And I'm Tanner. And just to get the ball rolling a little bit, uh, Myth is a, let's see, it's a role playing game with tactical, it's a tactical role playing game, um, but its big hook is that it has uh, procedural story generation. And um, that's what we're going to talk about this month. Does anybody have any any kind of initial thoughts on their experience with the game? Nope. Or, no,
1: okay. <laughs> I mean, I can go first. No,
0: that's no, totally I, fine.
2: I, so. I'll go
1: first. Um, I um, for some reason I was expecting this game to be just sort of like another like procedural dungeon crawler with narrative elements, but it ended up being a lot more interesting than that. Um, because yeah, like you mentioned, it is a procedural narrative game, and that's why you know it fits in with our theme this month of procedural games. Um, and I got really deep like I was just really impressed with the level of detail that they're able to like create with a limited limited number of seemingly limited number of inputs for the narrative and we can talk about that in a little bit detail later but I really enjoyed it I played a couple different campaigns and and it's gonna be hard not to just spend the whole time just recounting cool stuff that happens <laughs> it's one of those sorts of yeah. games but but yeah and I really enjoyed it
3: yeah i I had fun with it too I found myself. I mean kind of my big takeaway from it was that um, it, it, it was distracting in a good way because I spent my whole time trying to see behind the curtain, like thinking mm-hmm. to myself, how are they doing this? How, which part of this is procedurally generated? Which part of this is written story? Uh, what kind of what does the uh, narrative and the dialogue tree look like? kind of underneath the hood and uh which part of it is definitely scripted that's going to be the same every time and how much kind of uh not just randomness but uh how much of it is truly generated generated generative uh i guess and how much of it is is scripted like a choose your own adventure kind of thing um how much of it is just random adjectives thrown in in front of things, which there seemed to be a decent amount of that, but even that made it colorful uh, in a, in a in kind of a good way, uh, and we can talk about more of that. But yeah, I was I was like I said, distracted in a really good way by trying to get my head around what all was going on, uh, and in addition to that, it's the, the stories were fun, uh, and and I liked I liked what it would what it. What it does, I think it's a very unique game uh, in what it does. Joe, yeah,
4: oh, or to Tanner, Tanner. you go, <laughs> Tanner.
3: <laughs>
4: sure, I was uh, I was really uh, pleased with um, the way the 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 sort of story narrative generation seemed to play to uh, characterization more than like plot points. Um, so it it, it often. Felt like it worked to me as well as it did because uh the narrative things that they're generating um aren't like you know go here and do this thing it's in my experience was typically about um how two characters would interact um while this thing happens uh which is uh you know not exactly like a groundbreaking concept in terms of narrative but it uh i th- think it, it played to the game's strengths in that it's a lot easier to build um, these sort of myths um, and loose characterizations around how these characters interact than it is to play up like, oh, there's this super awesome quest thing that you have to go do now. Like, you still have that overarching uh, quest sort of through each stage of it. Um, but the sort of episodic nature, I think, works really well in this case.
2: Nice, I agree. Um, (laughs) We we have an accord. (laughs) The, um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. What's what's partly cool. We probably won't have a ton of time to explore tonight, but there there's already like it has Steam Workshop, so you can actually write your own stuff for it and and then have it in the game, which is pretty cool. so, like when you were talking about being under the hood, Brad, you can go yeah. and, and um, look at the modding tools and and write your own little kind of questlets for it, um, and and then you'll you know you, you have a better sense of like how that happens. The um, the uh, yeah, I mean, I I actually really like the visuals of it too. The kind of graphic novel slash comic book uh, visual display of the story elements um, mm-hmm. for me was really satisfying, and that was even more than figuring out how the text was being arranged. I was so fascinated by the way that they, they kind of generated those comic book panels. Um, I really like that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's tons of interesting stuff to talk about around that. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, that's my initial stuff.
0: The thing that really struck me was, um, Well, what of course, sort of worried me at first when you hear when I hear procedurally generated story, uh, I feel as though like it could be a little iffy, you know, it it could go um, either way. It could be pretty bad or could be pretty good. But I've my instinct would be it's probably going to be fairly bland. Yeah. Um, But I was surprised by how much personality just or in style kind of the, the whole the whole game has, not just the story, mm-hmm. but even just sort of the the sort of different little animations that they choose. It just gives it a whole lot of character. Um and it really feels like um like playing a tabletop game with uh with your friends almost.
2: Yeah. And there are a lot of nonverbal elements in the in the narrative setup as well, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um my guess, I haven't dug into the Steam Workshop stuff, but my guess is that they've they've drafted templates. And then based on those choices you make at the beginning where the characters have certain things like um, how greedy they are or how, you know, like the different sort of character traits that sort of slots them to be possible in a given template. And yeah, so that then- that
1: was my guess too. Because in addition to that, they also have their like hooks which are listed on their profiles that you yeah. can go look at.
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I think there, there are these pretty well crafted templates that then just slot in different characters. So if you played enough, you'd probably see the same template over again, but just with a different pair. Um, mm-hmm. That's my guess. But it's still. I feel still like the writing is good enough
1: that even if you see the same characters, like in the same plot point, it's still. Yep. Feels different because even just having, um, because I, <laughs> I, uh, I really i died in the tutorial in the game <laughs> <laughs> wow. because I was, tr- I couldn't figure out how to put the fire out. I thought you had to step into the square with the fire, yeah, I did like stomp that it out, and then he walked around the corner and got one hit killed by the one enemy that you have, to yeah. um. <laughs> Which is really funny, but the reason why it was really funny was because I immediately just like rolled new characters and did it again, and mm. it felt like the writing was like totally different, even though it was the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the writing in this game, even even aside of being procedural, has a lot of really interesting personality to it. And I feel yeah. like Robbie really hit the nail on the head because to me, it feels like some of the best like tabletop campaign writing that yeah. I've seen. Yeah, um, is what it feels like. It has the right level of humor, but it still takes itself seriously when it needs to. And like, and it's also really creative. Like, the, so a lot of the the little vignettes are not the same, like stereotypical, like oh, going to the dungeon, getting the treasure, sort of thing. Like they are that, but they they really put interesting twists on things. So, and that's one reason I think the procedural, like, w- why it worked so well for me was because not only was it procedurally generating, okay, this dungeon had a the crown in it instead of a sword. You know, it wasn't that yeah. sort of level. It was more, like Tanner said, it was more about like the way the characters interacted in this really rich and interesting, uh, very different little storylets.
3: I, I think one way that it does that so well is it it replaces that thing about, uh, you know, the typical thing of going to X dungeon to get Y uh, item to bring back to Z person. Uh, and and all of those and there's a red herring and all this kind of stuff that's typical of of sort of the formulaic dungeon crawl thing it it replaces those objects and those small things with character interactions and emotions and uh, uh, relationships and I I think that's just wonderfully unique in itself Uh, you don't see a lot of games that do the that put a different emphasis on what the role in role playing is right you're you're in this game you're taking on the role of uh these characters as people not as classes if that makes sense uh and i i thought that was really a, a really cool way to to focus it uh made it made it just more interesting all over
2: yeah, definitely. It, it actually, it feels to me like they're kind of riffing on the the fail better games model, which is the, um, started with Fallen London, right? And then Sunless yeah. Sea and Sunless Skies, right? So the, um, and they had their story Nexus thing for a while, but it shut down. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, Olivia mentioned that the idea of a story lit, which fail better more or less invented, right? Which is this sort of self-contained little uh, item Right. That has, because I noticed too, that this game uses the kind of role for chance stuff, um, that storylets like the sort of fail better model does too, which is you're in this little loop of a story. You've got some chances to do something, but they have, you know, they vary depending on your traits. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I agree with everyone else that the, the real kind of fresh air of this is that it's about the relationships between characters and whether they're rivals or lovers or um, and, and pairing them up in that really interesting way in the story lit is like, uh, it's just something I haven't seen before. And so it feels really kind of
3: fresh. Did it, was it weird for anybody else to make rivals within your team? I wanted them all to be friends and lovers and everything <laughs> else. I want them to all, you know, I want to be one oh, happy no. adventuring family. Oh, what did you do, Olivia? What I love, like,
1: my first campaign, yeah, like, my two people were, like, super duper rivals. And they were, like, but it was definitely, like, a frenemy sort of thing, right? It was more they were just constantly trying to one-up each other. Oh, okay, cool, to, cool. And it actually, and the <laughs> cool thing about that, and, and we could talk about the gameplay a little bit. Too. I know the narrative is really the most interesting thing, at least for me in, in this game, but... Um, cause the gameplay is, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward, like turn-based grid tactical RPG combat. Right. Um, but there's some interesting things there. And in particular, the fact that they, they work with those relationships in the way that characters like interact with each other. So like rivals, if, if you get them to be like arch rivals, like the highest tier of like rivalness, mm-hmm. they will like... Do combat stunts like in response to each other. So, in particular, that one I think works to where, if one oh, one of them if one yeah. of them gets a crit, the next person's ability will automatically also crit. Oh wow! So, like stuff like that, and and that sort of stuff is sort of buried to sort of figure out how they work. Like you really have to like go into their profile to read all their abilities and stuff. But yeah, but it is cool how it does work into how how they function in the gameplay.
2: Yes. Which is what we always want, right? We want the narrative and the gameplay yeah. to line up. It's the yeah. dream.
1: And this game doesn't even take it, you know, further. Like it doesn't really do anything really innovative in that regard. It, mm-hmm. but it does it enough right it does it in the same level of, of what exactly what i wanted to see right so i wanted the gameplay to acknowledge that they were rivals right mm-hmm. or best friends or lovers or whatever right and in and it's even if it's just, in just sort of sur- superficial ways in the gameplay and it definitely does that
2: yeah yeah there's also the overland Um, so just quickly, since uh, Olivia, you mentioned gameplay, so there's the tactical combat, but then there's also a sort of overland campaign, which is to rid the world or, I mean, there are different campaigns, but you've got sort of, uh, zones like you would on a large overland map, and then you're either trying to secure them or, um, rid them of beasts or, um, get them to produce resources for you. Um, and all of that seemed to fit together pretty well, but, um, yeah, it wasn't super novel, but it it, it felt well-constructed and 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 uh, thoughtful. Simple, but effective. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it also
1: really contextualized the sort of length of time that their journey takes place over, right? Yeah. Like, I'm picturing a version of this game that didn't have the overworld map, and just literally was like chapter one, chapter two, and just did mm-hmm. all of the vignettes in whatever order that you end up doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it would not have been nearly as compelling. Because another oh. really cool thing this game does is it like this adventure takes place over like their whole life, right? Yep. And there's these periods in between the chapters where it talks about the sort of person they are and the downtime, which is just a really, really cool and interesting, unexpected thing. Also, that this game does.
3: And and an easy thing that games could do, and yet you don't see that very often. I've I've known some uh, tabletop role playing games that that do uh, where they kind of track your your family and your your history, and they really work to do that but you don't see that a lot in in uh in these kinds of videos. What's the what's the big one that where you're Europa your Universalis does that do uh multiple ages or Crusader Kings is what I was Crusader thinking. Kings that's yeah. Those, those are both uh, kind of similar to me but yeah. Uh those those kinds of weird games that that you, you well you just don't see it that often. They are weird. They are weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And I mean, it's it is just super interesting. I mean, there's some weirdness with that, right? Like, so I don't know if you, um, if anyone did like multiple campaigns and stuff, and or had some of the other characters pop back up in your other ca- campaigns. Did you have that happen? Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, um, so if you if you complete a campaign and start a new one. Um, you do start with new people but like the other people can be recruited at certain moments like the people. Wow. but what's really interesting about it and I actually feel like this is one thing that sort of the, that, that really gets at the sort of thing the game is trying to do which is the sort of myth-making thing that Tanner mentioned mm-hmm. um, because when they show back up like depending on how like you know you can like pick like, at the end of the campaign, you can like elevate people, right? You can make them like more legendary, and what that means is is just how much experience they have when you re-recruit them in another campaign later. Um, but what's cool about that and interesting to me is, at first, I was really confused by it because I was like, no, this guy was like sixty, and now he's like twenty five again, but he still has all these superpowers <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> um, And it really bugged me for a little while because I was like, man, it feels like that. Why is he here if it's just like making it feel like, oops. Hi, Keanu. Um, Like an alternate canon. But then it hit me that like, oh, that's literally what they're doing, right? This Mm -hmm. is literally just a different myth about this guy, right? And what party he joined and what adventure he went on, right? And it sort of all came together once I sat down and was like, "Man, this bugs me." And then I was like, "Oh, well, actually, um, it's actually really cool that they do it this way, um, so that you can get to see this sort of alternate telling of their story." Yeah, um, right. And I really love that, actually.
2: Yeah. So then it becomes like Thor or Kukulin C- C- or some you know famous hero. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, it's like if you think about Cucullin, the sort of Irish hero, right? There's no way, like all the things that he allegedly did, you just feel like, well, yeah. that can't be right. Yeah. Um, but or yeah, or Perseus or anybody, yeah. And and you're right, that's a really cool concept to be like, well, here's here's another myth this this one was involved in. And yeah, um, yeah, that's very cool.
1: And it's like, oh, you know, well, this legend says that he got these electric powers when he was like 40, and this this farmer gave him the saying. And then, but then, you know, the next legend starts and he's like a kid and he still has the electric powers because somebody heard a story about him having those. And then like, and and so, so really, if you think about it like that, inconsistencies between the campaigns are actually really, really interesting. Yeah, And it's also a really powerful framing device as a procedural narrative thing so that they can get away with those inconsistencies and still have it feel right, Mm -hmm. Um, which is also cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really, one of the things I found most interesting, I had a character who got infected during the main, the, the first campaign, um, and ended up with like, a part of her face was disfigured by the infection. Yeah. I think
1: that happens. For, uh, it, is April that everybody? First. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of the plot. I had like four <laughs> different mutations in my first campaign, though, somehow. And so nice. I was like, oh, another one?
2: <laughs> uh, very nice. Um, but yeah, the thing that I was interesting about it was I, it's, it's sort of continued as a plot element, but not really. But it, it also didn't bother me. Like I just thought, oh, this is a thing that happened. And it, you know, anyway, it was cool. It made me glad. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, they definitely have a good balance of making those things important, but they also aren't the character's whole thing
2: hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: So so a really good example of that for me was in the second campaign. I had a character who became a werewolf. Um, oh, I had that one. Yeah. And she like um, when uh, there's all these really interesting story vignettes that felt like they were relevant to it, but they ended up being, you know, sort of not. Um, and it was just sort of a thing. And. Well- they I mentioned like it periodically, but it wasn't like the only the only compelling thing about that character wasn't the random cool thing.
3: I like the way they circled back to those kinds of things, though, because um, the the did you guys have the one where one of your characters finds the glowing seed mm-hmm. in the woods? Yep,
1: I got and that then, one.
3: And then that comes back at the end, uh, growing the seed and it becoming the little the little thing. Um, yeah, because in the middle of the story, I was like, wait a minute, what happened to that seed? Like you know two two places ago it just kind of like disappeared and nothing's nothing's come of it but then yeah at the end of the chapter they're like oh yeah she plants the seed and it does this weird thing and uh so you're all good oh by the way we didn't mention this but spoilers uh folks as as always (laughs) we're what 30 minutes into it now (laughs) is is i
0: with a procedurally generated story i guess there are there are definitely story beats that are that count as spoilers i suppose yeah, yeah,
1: because they're the overarching story. Yeah, right? it does, that's, and that's, that's, that's actually really cool about this game too, right? So there are like campaigns you go on, right? And there are lots of these little vignettes that are relevant to your main plot that happen every time, like the the person getting disfigured that that Joe mentioned. Um, but along the way, there's all kinds of other things that that happen. Some of which may be relevant to the story, some of which may not be. Um, but it does feel like it's all situated in this sort of overall quest, um, and it's still and and I really like that because it doesn't feel like you're just ha- it, like reading random stories just cause. Like it feels like that there's like an actual like end goal, and I feel like that that's another really um, interesting framing for them, especially because the, the like you mentioned the workshop. I imagine that there's cause there's already like several really long campaigns in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely room to add more of that stuff.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. And the the thing that was really cool to me too is that. Um, so, the 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 little mini story, the vignettes would appear at these often what felt like an inopportune time. Like like I was, and I guess what I want to get at is that normally when I play a game that has an overland map, that I'm sort of I'll use conquering for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really systematic about it. And I'm like, well, where are the choke points and where can I set up boundaries and how can I fight off, you know? And, and what was wild about this is, so I had a really clear plan that I was constantly trying to follow on the over, on the overworld Mm -hmm. map. And, and yet every, more than once there would be this little introduction of a thing. And, and, in a lot of games, the choices that I want to make in those situations don't actually feel meaningful. Um, but I, I really want, so it would be like, hey, we learned about this artifact, maybe we should go check it out. And, but what that would mean is that two of my characters would have to leave where they were and go like, you know, four zones over or something, which messed with my kind of, you know, plan for world domination. Um, <laughs> and but at the same time, more than once I did it because I was like, well, I just that sounds cool. And, and it's in line with what this character would be excited about. And, and so I guess what I'm getting at is that it, it really made those decision points feel rich um, and exciting and, and kind of emotional for me, um, as you, well you- as the, the smaller ones where you had to once you're in the story, you have to make a choice usually or a couple of choices. Those felt also, you know, they had a kind of strong meaning so
3: do you feel that you were rewarded when you did take those choices
2: yeah definitely that's how i ended up with the werewolf um nice yeah so and and yeah another one where and even small stuff like clearing out a zone right where they they say well you can investigate thoroughly or you can do it quickly and those those little choices um I my only setback in terms of mechanics was that I almost always picked the choice with the likeliest outcome, like so it would say you know like eighty yeah. two percent thirty eight, yeah. mm-hmm. and so I I really had a hard time saying like oh well I'll pick the one that's you know super unlikely because I just couldn't you know I couldn't bring myself to you know
3: risk it. I I did some that weren't super high probability and. Uh, but it was it was interesting to see them fail in those things I, I this could have just been a trick of the the writing but it felt like when they did fa- fail those things that their their character bonds maybe got stronger or their uh, i don't know at least in the narrative like for example there was one where they're running out of food and one of my characters needs to cook and all he's got is onions and did you guys get that one uh, I don't know no. if that's a common thing or if that just kind of popped up as a, as a challenge <laughs>
2: happens to um, a lot of cooks.
3: Yeah. Well, he only, he only has onions, so he's going to give it a try and you've, you've only got a, a like a 28 or 30, 40% chance, 30% chance to actually make a, an edible food out of all these onions, much like life. And he, uh, so I, I chose that one. And the other option was to go hunt for something and it didn't give a percentage. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try to let this guy cook and, and and do his thing. Well, he ended up failing, but that was okay. Cause the rest of them ate the, the onion gruel and they seemed like it was a shared experience, you know, like, like they were on the road together and, and they, they ate what's his name's uh, onion gruel mush because because they liked them, because <laughs> they were uh-huh. his friend, <laughs> like you would do. So, and I, again, I don't know. It it made me think about what's going on under the hood here. Is that is that a part of just the writing, or is that a part of the the mechanism? Is there a mechanism in the game that makes a failure uh, 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 bring the characters closer together? And I I don't know. I still am not sure. Uh, yeah, and that's. Sorry, I know I'm talking a lot, but the the one of the
2: things you you all, a couple of you mentioned uh, tabletop, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that makes tabletop RPGs so great is that fa- even failures are rich, right? They're they're yeah, you know, and and in the end, when you're with other people the the experience becomes the thing that's most valuable and and it what you're saying brad makes me think like it's it's a really great question to ask of game design in general right now Mm -hmm. how often failure is rewarded in games um i mean roguelikes do it by you know saying oh you're dead but you can come back and try again um uh and maybe you've got better stuff or you've got you know better powers or something but Mm -hmm. but this idea that like you would fail at a choice, but it would still be this. It would be this other path that's that's rich and interesting. Um, is really pretty unusual, I think, in in digital games right now. I agree. Yeah,
3: yeah. And and this did, this game did that that really well in such a, but in such a simple way, right? It it, it or it's it looks simple, <laughs> on the on the front end. Um, I, I'm curious. We talked about the uh the Steam Workshop part and all that. Um, I know that some of the art – so when you create a character, you can customize it to have a certain look, and it's based on uh, uh, some pre – some template pieces that you all put together, right, to make your character uh, visually. And then when you're in the, the sort of comic book scenes as they play out, it puts your character on a layer within the graphics of that that pre-drawn scene. Well, I'm wondering how – much like if you're able to script your own through the steam workshop stuff i wonder how much you're able to change how many re i guess how many assets they have for you to uh to use to create your own storyboards that way like how many objects you can put and do they do that do they i don't know uh it just that that was i wonder how they do that's all i'm saying yeah
0: I think it's worth playing around with.
3: I think so too, and I, I, I think I want to uh, go back in and check it out, or uh, I want one of you guys to do it and tell me how it works. <laughs> so, because- <laughs> <laughs> do you think
0: the game gains anything, or not gains anything? Like, would it would it lose something if it wasn't procedurally generated? Like, let's say you were only going to do one run through of the game ever, like you only had
3: N- no, I, I, I don't think so i think it wasn't procedurally generated and you're only doing a one or a very limited pre-scripted story i think that it's a unique enough uh storytelling uh platform that it would still uh it it, it would still be uh satisfying
0: yeah i thought i thought that too um because i mean even 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 if you know, I, I played it before at, at Dream Hack at a conference that we went to. Um, and it was just, it was it's just satisfying as a tactical role-playing game, too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's interesting choices to make and you can move it around. But I thought that that was interesting because there's a lot of games that I think, because they're procedurally generated, that, that almost that becomes an interest point. Like that, that just because of that, because it feels mm-hmm. like, oh, this could go on forever. Or, oh, I could do this so many times or whatever that ends up being a, like a pro or it ends up being like just another check mark that you can add to the game. But yeah, this feels yeah. like the game itself can sort of stand, um, on its own, even, even if it wasn't procedurally generated. So the fact yeah. that it is procedurally generated is that much more impressive, I guess.
3: Yeah. And comparing that to some of the games we've, uh, other games that we've played this season, um, you know, uh, well, at Valheim, for example, is brilliant one of the brilliant things about its procedural generation is that you can play a world and and fill out your world with stuff and then you can start over a whole new world um, and, you know and banished, which we've which I talk a lot about uh, is the same way. it's it's that feeling of creating something fresh, I think.
0: But uh, was there anything in the game that did not go? Uh, that did not sit so well with you, with anybody.
1: Uh, I did have one uh weird moment in the game. Uh, like, the, I mean, it's really just a matter of the the logic, the procedural logic that um, there's going to be holes in it every once in a while, <laughs> right? Um. But yeah, I did notice that there were some places where it literally just produced gibberish and I don't know if I was probably also um actually, one thing I do want to mention is that this game is in early access um, yeah. so like this isn't like anything like really that unexpected or damning of the game, but uh really other than that, um actually, one thing I was actually really curious about, was the multiplayer, which is apparently brand new to the game.
3: Oh, I didn't see that.
1: They just added it, and it absolutely is baffling to me. Like, I couldn't figure out how it would fit into the game. I didn't really have the time to actually, like, check it out or anything. Um,
3: Squad goals.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just very interesting to me that they chose to go that direction with this game
3: yeah um that, that...
1: And, and i i, I it, it maybe be a slight subject change if so i apologize but no I, 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 it's just something that occurred to me that i uh is hadn't it like really thought about too much
0: is it like head to head do you know
1: i have no clue it looks okay. like it was cooperative but yeah like in it's 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 like an experimental new feature that they recently added that's
3: cool so. i'm very very curious as to how they they pull right. that off Hmm. and 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 also I mean one thing that we haven't really talked about is the the directions the other directions that this game could go mm-hmm. uh, that's very in- it's very interesting to me to see where a game like this especially because as you said it's in early access where is this going to end up and and, uh, and 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 like you Olivia I don't think that I would have guessed Multiplayer—that <laughs> was—that wouldn't have been on my short list of of yeah. places that this game would go. But that's I mean, really it, cool. It goes to show that
1: they really like—they really have lofty goals for this game. Yeah, I and mean, I feel like it's already reached this level, which is way impressive to me, um, because it's so so much of its procedural, and because. Um, you know, I, I deeply got into it when I played it. Like I was really invested in the characters and really it didn't yeah. feel like it was procedural, right? Right. Um, and that's the important that that's sort of the goal, you know, most of the time. Um and yeah, so the fact that they're even, you know, adding something like multiplayer is sort of mind blowing to me.
3: Yeah, totally. That's that's very cool. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. And I do need to check out the how they do the stuff from the STEAM workshop. Um, and and now I'm curious whether they have like, and I guess we could, we'll have to answer this in another in another episode, but I'm curious if they have like a, if they use a generic or a pre-made scripter or if they made their own scripting tool or their own design tool. Um, but yeah, I'd like to, I, I probably should have, we should have done more of that research. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, what you know, good podcasts do. That's what good podcasts <laughs> do. <laughs> um well you know we uh we don't yeah um yeah you know it, it really
0: seemed to me that uh, because clearly even even if i like if i'm not the greatest writer so if i had to go in and create um you know my own campaign it would i don't think it would be as good as the writing in this game because the writing in this game is like really good i could see them if they if they stripped out the or most of the procedure or like a good bit of the proceduralness and just release something like a, like Myth legends or I don't know, some, some sort of thing that was just like small bite-sized little stories with tactical role-playing elements as like a mobile game or something. Like I think it would be successful.
3: Yeah. I, on that note, I really liked the way, and this is another thing that you don't see in games, the way that they set it up the, um, uh, the way that you interact through magic with things in the environment, yeah. So where you could, uh, uh, in, what was the word? In, not embody, interfere. Interf- yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, and that's another thing about this game too is that the, like, the world building is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I yeah. absolutely loved because it was not a generic fantasy world at all.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it felt was, folky.
1: Yeah, very, yeah. and very, like, just unique. Like, the enemy designs were so cool. Mm-hmm. The, the the way magic works is so cool and fun and interesting. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, it was I, I, just... I think
3: the way magic works is... is The uniqueness of the magic system is definitely one of the brightest spots of the game. Uh, the uh, The way that skills interact, and they're not, again, they're not just your generic... Uh, stab something, shoot something. All of the skills work together in these really neat uh, and, and somewhat unique ways that really speak to the world building. and It, it ties together with the world building really well. And uh, you don't see that kind of... I mean, I think games like this are so generic and they're so... There's such a common expectation of, uh, you know, things like races and what a race and a class will do um, mm-hmm. Like the, A rogue class always does this thing. A, a ranger class always does this. A barbarian always does this. And, and this game, I think, uh, brought in so many more of the, the elit- uh, narrative elements and, and world elements to inform what those classes looked like and what those skills within those classes looked like. And I think that kind of made it that unique uh, folk feeling folktale kind of uh thing which are a myth it made it a myth which was quite nice uh hence the name a wilder myth <laughs> exactly a wilder myth um uh, i'm gonna throw this out there for any of the podcast listeners um did you guys say in your head or when you've talked about this to other people did you pronounce it wilder myth or wilder myth we had that discussion right before we started recording and i'll just say that four out of five of us said it one way and one of us said it the correct way (laughs) i'm not gonna tell you who that who that was that it was joe but uh yeah we uh uh, four of us said wilder myth and and the other guy (laughs) the other guy said wilder said something um so uh, yeah tell us in the comments uh on our facebook page or on our webpage, and i'm just curious a, a unofficial poll among you, you guys or or on our discord uh, let us know wilder myth wilder myth uh or something totally different but did you pronounce it in the old germanic <laughs> way i don't know uh just curious to know how you did it uh okay anyway that's a small aside back to the discussion what, uh what else we got on it? Uh,
0: I think it's shockingly well polished for being in early access. Yeah. Um, well,
2: let me just don't... super quickly interrupt. They're pretty close to launch. So yeah. they just made an announcement that they were raising the price on May 1st. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. So I think they're within two to three months at most of, of launching. So they're anyway, sorry to interrupt.
0: No, that's okay. The, the only thing that... Um... That sort of stood out to me, and it's like the smallest thing, is that they, they're. I think they're so caught up in creating this, um, this experience of like it being a, uh, you know, a, a, a story, and they're sort of uh, really relying a lot on like skew morphism in their UI design, and there's just sometimes where if you click a menu to get to a, a sub menu it's like a page or like a, a piece of paper gets placed on top of it mm-hmm. and I just kind of get lost and I don't really know. Like I, I can see a, a menu option sort of behind it or like in the background and I want to click it, but I can't.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it, you know, it's, that's, it, that's honestly one of my biggest gripes about the game, which means uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're really doing great. Yeah.
2: I think I wanted a little more guidance. So you mentioned the magic system, which I loved also. I was so fascinated by it, but there were choices that I had along the way that kind of spooked me. So like you could choose at some point to pick like more advanced interfusions. Um, but I, I didn't, I never picked them because I, I didn't really, and this is probably my fault. If I had dug around in the game, it probably tells me somewhere how all of that works. But um, because I've gotten soft in my old age and yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been treated so gently by so many games that are like, <laughs> if you need to do this, do this. Um, so I was actually curious if anyone else did the more complex interfusion stuff because I, I always got scared and just picked like the thing that made it more powerful because I didn't totally get how the complex stuff was going to work.
3: I'm actually
1: not sure. I don't know if I ever saw that option as one of my, like, level-up options. Um, But I did have a similar thing to where the the way that some of the mutations work, um, because at the end of every chapter, it's like, do you want to advance this mutation? And mm-hmm. for one character, I was like, "Yeah, sure," and then I didn't realize that oh, because it mutated his other arm, now he can't use his arms for anything else. Oh, wow! Um, and he was my archer,
2: <laughs>
1: so like I literally just bought the skill. I was so excited about that was like essentially like an Overwatch ability, but for an archer where yes, you can, like a range one. I was like so excited about that, and then now it was he, its absolutely useless. He cannot use it.
3: So what did you do with the guy? I mean.
1: Well, he could use, like, the special, like, mutation abilities, but not the... But not his bow? Yeah, no, because, like, it, it takes up their arm slots. Like, if wow. it mutates and takes their arm, then that's their arm, right? Yeah. Um. And, and and he had already had it, like, on his, like, other arm. And so when it mutates and advances, it, like, picks a random other body part to, like, overtake. Mm. Um,
3: you got to admit, though, that is pretty mythic.
1: Oh yeah, it's super cool. This is also the same guy that I was like, why does he already have his lightning powers and the other ability? Cuz yeah, he turned into <laughs> like a lightning elemental basically. Wow. It was dude, really My cool. guys
3: didn't do anything quite. That. <laughs> yeah, I got to cool. go back and try to try to break my people. Yeah, dude, yeah, I
1: eventually just turned him into a guy that teleported around and just like electrocuted people. It was really cool. Like Raiden. Wow. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> like Raiden. <laughs> Um, but yeah but i didn't know that that's what that would do and so at the Mm -hmm. time i was like me i was so mad i was like i don't want i was like what he's not like a magic guy like what's
2: going on right Um, Is now
1: Is now yeah i know and and so that was my only sort of frustration like that was i didn't know what it meant to advance the mutation yeah um and in some cases like and now that i know that it's really cool because also um another thing we we haven't talked about yet is the way that it handles character death hmm Oh, um, yeah. And which is really cool to me, actually. Um, the So what happens in the game is that if a character gets to zero HP, which sometimes can happen sort of randomly, right? They get a crit on you at the wrong time, especially yeah. in the early game, like, yep, yeah. Um, when that happens, you get the option to either um, have them just be injured and then go home, and then they come back later. You can have them um, die in like a blaze of glory and like boost everybody or they can die and take an enemy out with them which is yeah. super cool and compelling yeah. um
2: yeah did anybody I, pick the i always picked go home and rest Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, well because but, you yeah. have a lot invested in, in i know character, right? i don't want them I, to die
1: and actually that that's actually relevant to um to something too is I, I never did it because i was like i'll wait until there's an actual hard fight for me to use it for yeah i found that that other than the occasional person going down and getting injured i didn't have any difficulty in any of Mm. the fights yeah um not any like serious ones
3: but i did have some surprises when like like what you said when you would get a random bit of uh uh, of uh, of attack or, or or randomly more crit or something like that that's like yeah. whoa that was completely not like all the other battles that i've been
1: yeah in. i did get i the one the one actual hard fight i got in was when i i had accidentally because there's a there's a the mechanic in the game to where if you send two people by themselves in uh, a region that is occupied they can get ambushed yep and i just i didn't think they were by themselves they were just like one person was just lagging behind the group for some reason and so they got ambushed and then they both went down. But I still was like, man, <laughs> just go home, come back, um, yeah. because because uh, and, and um, then uh, getting sidetracked because yeah, because the cool thing about them getting injured is that they actually have permanent injuries, mm-hmm. and they come up in their like they acknowledge them in those like story threads. It's pretty rare, but. I had a really interesting one where it was it was actually in the second campaign when one of my characters came back and she had a a hook hand Um, (laughs) and and I can't remember what it was, but he made a joke that was like he made like a joke that she did not think was funny or something because he was like something something Give me a high five. Oh, wait. Like, it was something like that. And then they had a whole conversation about it. And it was really cool and compelling that the game acknowledged and cared about that. Not only in that they visually have that permanent change to their bodies, but they also can use them in interesting ways in combat. And that they acknowledge them in the narrative. I absolutely Mm -hmm. thought that that was super, super
2: cool. Yeah. That's a really good use of procedural kind of yeah logic yeah it's it's that's the kind of thing you dream about right that that you have this really what feels like a very specific event but that that event has implications that spill over and and kind of trickle out into yeah. other things
1: it affected their relationship it affected that like that because it was also that that interaction was sort of tacked on at the end of some other interaction, so it wasn't like it's a, was a unique event. It was just sort of like the resolution of a conversation that happened no, to go I meant that way. No, the event,
2: I meant her getting injured. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. so that was a really, really memorable moment for me. Um, but also advancing mutations can actually just heal their injuries, I also found out. So that's a thing too. But anyway, um I yeah, so that was another cool mechanic that I feel like makes this game pretty special. Especially because I get really attached to people in games like this. Like in XCOM, like I never let people die ever. I will reload. Yeah. Like I Yeah, just...
0: it Oh, so sorry, I was just I was just gonna say the uh you know another sort of story heavy tactical role-playing game would be um fire emblem and i always save before every mission and if somebody dies then i just restart and yeah <laughs> would rather just play it again to not have someone die so i would appreciate i appreciated their them giving us the choice
1: yeah and the fact that this game still keeps the stakes like, it still permanently affect them, but it's not just, because, like, in, and I keep bringing up XCOM, because I think it's one of the more, the only other games I've played that I can remember having a distinct reaction about this, is, is because you have all these this these resources invested in them, and, and then just accidentally, they can just die, right? Which is, it's life, I guess, <laughs> but, like, yeah. in the game, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like a satisfying story moment, right? And this game solves that problem by acknowledging it, and still letting you have these different options that turn into these really relevant story moments. I actually really wanted to see what happens if you actually let one of them sort of die in the sort of legendary way, just because I wanted to see what happened, what the other characters, how they reacted to that. I just wasn't, I was too chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep. Well, Me that's too. something that you could, we could definitely explore and in, in, as we go, uh, with more of them.
2: Um, can we just come back for one sec to this thing about, um, about failure, um, and, and being, not having stuff explained. Cause Olivia, you and I both kind of mentioned it, you mentioned it around the mutation. And for me, it was around the, the magic system. And, and we've talked about this a little bit on another podcast, I think, but I really am curious about, um, just how much game players have been limited as 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 we've sort of evolved in the design of digital games over the last 30 years or so like more and more this kind of expectation of tutorialization has been you know like if you don't have it it means you know yeah. and, and if there's any part of the game that surprises you in a negative way it means you the designer has sort of let you down um, and both you and I felt that at, at different points in this game but I'm kind of curious, like as a as a philosophy, if like if people are worried about that at all, or if it's it's just should be that way. Um, anyway, I've I've had that on my mind for a little bit. We don't have you to happen talk about to.
3: Re- it, but... I remember that we did talk about that in another podcast. Do you remember yeah. what game that was? About? I don't. But I don't either. Yeah, I think it was just kind of in passing about a more more of a meta conversation about mm-hmm. the way tutorials work
2: but. yeah well and because i think we also talked about how certain games have a sort of badge of honor about the fact that they don't explain that maybe it was caves of could because that was that it was right? well yeah <laughs> it also that.
1: might have been when we were talking about walking simulators because Tanner, i know that you have some opinions about this that you talk about all the time yeah. so maybe it was relevant to that
4: uh i don't remember particularly but but yeah i have i have opinions about tutorialization <laughs> <laughs>
1: and they are
4: (laughs) yes yeah no i uh i i do kind of hate it when games have the expectation of uh you know that that tutorials are unnecessary uh etc sort of view it as holding your hand especially uh in a moment when i feel like uh games literacy um is more important than ever in terms of helping new people uh, understand and enjoy games. Yeah. Um, so I think I think a lot of uh, aspects of that are taken for granted um, by a lot of games. I, I didn't get that uh, feeling so much with this game, uh, but it's also easy as somebody who's been playing games for a long time who sometimes have blind spots about that
3: as well. Yeah, I felt like it was uh, it. It was there. There was definitely some of that in the game, as as uh, Joe and Olivia have already talked about. But I don't feel like it was. Uh, I don't think I don't feel like it was game breaking, or I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I feel like the stakes were low enough that it let you learn those things without the frustration of not knowing how to do a thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, Uh, you know, it seems like thinking back, it seems like uh, near automaton, near near (laughs) near near. What was it? It's pronounced (laughs) Wilder (laughs) myth. No, it seems like we talked about this a little bit with the way that near automata. Automata. Yeah, yeah. you you got it. Yeah, Uh, how it uh, how it taught you how to play the game, and the fact that it had so many different sort of. Game, pers- game modes and perspective shifts um, within one game. Uh, it was interesting how it did a little bit of both of this. Um, it taught you how by putting you into the situation. And, uh, uh, it, it, and it seems like we talked a little bit about that back in our old podcast about that. But I think we talked about it a lot more in probably Caves of Could. Yeah. Uh, simply because that's sort of the nature of it.
2: Uh Yeah. And, and Tanner's your, your position is, I think, totally valid. And, and um, my, the thing that, that I think about, and that I feel concerned about sometimes is more the kind of far other end of that spectrum, which is and th- I'm definitely guilty of this. So so there are a lot of times when I, I want to feel like I'm in total control of the game that I'm experiencing. And so I'll do things like I'll have like a browser window open in the background so that anytime yeah. I don't know something, I can learn about it beforehand so I can make a decision based on maximal knowledge of the mm-hmm. game world. Um, and, and I'm okay with that um, in myself. But I also, I worry about the sort of larger... <sighs> I worry about what people are missing when they miss that experience that Olivia described with the mutation. Um, right. And, and mm-hmm. that's really the thing that I, I'm thinking about, um, which is less about games sort of being spiteful and saying, you know, get good, but more about like us losing the chance to be surprised. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. that's all.
0: Or, Uh, Yeah, no, I I agree with that too. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm glad we circled back to this um, because it's something I meant to say. It also deprives people of the, the chance to experience, I mean, we experience it in our daily lives, but it's missing from a lot of games where things, things can go badly. Things can go wrong and maybe it's not even your fault, but also things, things are uh, things turn out. Okay. Or like things continue.
3: And that's a good that makes a good story, right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, one of the things I really appreciate about this game that Olivia
4: touched on earlier is the way it, it handles those like opportunities for character death. Because I'm the same way, like you mentioned, Robbie. Uh, I haven't played Fire Emblem that much, but, but other games with similar mechanics like XCOM, uh like there's a part of me that wants to just like roll with the uh, the uh permadeath of the characters. But in my experience, a lot of times um, that is less about a narrative-like moment and more about a difficulty moment. And so at least in, in XCOM as a specific example, depending on when that happens, that can pretty much like derail the entire campaign depending on what difficulty you're playing at, if the wrong person dies on the wrong mission. Uh, which to me isn't that, that interesting of... Uh, an event, really. Like, I just end up in a position where I'm like, oh, well, now, if I don't reload, uh, there's it, pretty much no chance that I'll be able to, like, finish this run.
0: Right. It The the game is sort of built around the idea that if you let someone... Like, that that the idea is you let someone die. You, yeah. you did something bad. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I, I think the way this game frames it as, like, it gives you a choice when somebody is, like, down of, like, if they're going to be to be maimed, if they're gonna try and push through it, if they're going to uh, go out in a blaze of glory, um, I think that is a lot more compelling to me because even if the character ultimately dies, uh, one, it's balanced in such a way that it doesn't feel like that is going to totally derail my chances, Uh, but it also brings it back to being more about like, the, the narrative arc within this, which to me is more compelling than, uh, I lost my best sniper, so now I have to kind of like <laughs> rework my, my approach to every engagement or every mission. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I really appreciated the way they did that and how characters, even if they've died, can come back in other playthroughs is like these legends that you, you run into periodically. Uh, it sort of softens the blow uh, while still sort of maintaining consequences in some way.
3: And and con- continuity in a in a weird way in a in a in a, mm-hmm. a, a, a non traditional way uh, a mythic continuity if you would <laughs> yes mythic. Yeah. My Oh
1: right, think <laughs> It's it's interesting to me how much it, it is like it you can look at this problem from so many different issues for so many different like angles, right? So if you look at it from like a tutorialization perspective, right? So that's sort of how we sort of initially started framing this, right? Like to how do we communicate with people like the consequences of their actions so mm-hmm. in some cases, right? Yep. Um but then you know, if you over tutorialize those situations, the surprise is lost, and then there's just a sort of it sort of tells you the correct way. It's sort of the equivalent of you having that browser window open, right? Yep. In some in some cases. Yeah. Um and then in, in in other cases it's like a narrative framing moment to where you're like, "Okay, I'm way too attached to this character. I don't want to get rid of them for this reason." Um and then it's also a difficulty problem because I because I really do like how this game handled it and I and I feel like if it if, if this same sort of level of 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 handling that was in XCOM, I probably would have taken the other option more often, yeah. because of how often the game was difficult enough for me to warrant taking those other options. Um, and but in this one, yeah, so so it's it's a narrative problem in that I'm too attached to them to want them to <laughs> die, as opposed to a difficulty problem of if they die, I basically it's game over for me. Yeah. And then versus is it do is it is the reward of letting them die to give me this combat advantage going to be enough of a narrative incentive to let me be okay with that? Mm. Um, and, and this game never really quite got there for me yet, And but it's a very, very difficult problem to solve because yeah. it's, it's all of those things and how they how exactly you feel about it in that moment and what the stakes are and, and lo- in the long and the short term because it's yeah. sort a of campaign format
2: well yeah and i mean i think um, you described that really well the the i think for me this is part of why games are one of the most interesting things there are to design because you're basically designing a machine to create experiences for people mm-hmm. and and the level of complexity that you just articulated reminds me why i think there not only are they such a wonderful thing to design, but also that there's still so much unexplored space for the design of them. Like, I mean, there's so much room to create new experiences and to balance those experiences and to to create more and more subtlety in the levels that you were like of just this one example that you were describing. Like, I love that. Like, it makes me so happy to think about how much more we can do in these in these kind of very complex uh, situation. so yeah. Just, uh, just
1: and, seeing how this game, like all the the subtle differences between this game and XCOM, and this game and Fallen London, and uh, Sunless mm-hmm. Skies. Um, th- <laughs> just the Sunless, which, which everyone, which take <laughs> your pick, pick. It's all um, Sunless. <laughs> sunless, whatever. Um, the, but just those differences, right? Because, because yep. on its surface, if you look at the mechanics of the game, like over the broad spectrum of what games do they're similar in in more ways than they are different mm-hmm. and yet the the way that it executes this one specific design problem in the context there's just it 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 brings up so many different nuances of how those systems intersect with one another yep um and and, and yeah and you're right it is exciting thinking about addressing those design problems and the fact that that, that this is a new thing right mm-hmm. um but at the same time it also is terrifying thinking of trying to quote unquote solve the problem, right? Yeah. And, and, and the point is, is that it's not really solvable, right? There's, it's not, well, there's it's, no perfect answer to every design question.
3: But it's, it's designable in like so many of the games that we've uh, sort of reviewed and played here. I'm thinking of this game, of course. I'm thinking of uh, Pyre did this in a really good way. Gree did this. Gri or Grease did this in a really good way. Um, uh, What's eating Gilbert? No, uh, what? What remains <laughs> of Edith Finch? That was it. Sorry. <laughs>
2: What's eating Gilbert uh,
3: Finch? Yes. Um, uh, Gilbert where? Finch. Where the water tastes like wine. All of those did exactly what you guys are talking about, and the, the the sort of remarkable ways to go about that problem solving, and and you in a, in a unique way. Um, all of those did that um, f- from a, a very unique with a very unique perspective they Mm -hmm. you know in some ways they took tools that we're all used to uh narrative tools and and interactive tools and things like that but the i think the best ones are the ones that kind of flip either flip those on their heads or uh, take take those out of what we're used to and and make it more about you know the way this the this game does something different with magic and does something different with how the narrative is built and does something different with how characters are built. Um, And those I think are the most, the the games that, in my opinion, Joe, and uh, get at that, uh, that, that wonderful new way of solving those problems. Uh, Yeah. And I love seeing that.
2: Yeah. And the, the only, I guess I would say that this is a little sad is, but obviously designs can't, live without this, is that so much of the work of the sort of larger design ecosystem is to try to define what a game is, right? So yeah. so that it can be sold or so that it can be understood by people who have never you, it. What are you, an
1: Apple lawyer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> if you've been reading the news lately. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, think about like how much genre play, like especially mechanical genre. So people are like, remember, for instance, when we talked about um, Kingdoms Reborn and we talked about how bringing like a card builder together with a city sim was like a but so much of that kind of thing where people are trying new things but then people are like whoa hold on <laughs> don't, don't mix those mechanics together don't mix those genres and and even you know even in terms of like how do we market this thing right all of the ways that that money gets involved in that so I'm I'm just continue to be excited by games that just don't seem to care. They're just like, we're going to do something that we think creates a great experience or a surprising experience. And, and, um, and we're just going to do that, regardless of whether can, people can define it or not. Um, so. And
3: I, I think that that's the strength of the, the broader category of what we would call indie games. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's why so many of these are so stellar. Um, even the ones that might have mediocre parts, so many of them are doing something uh, uniquely interesting that it's, that it makes it worth it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad, uh, you know, I have to say I'm really glad and kind of proud that we, uh, we've tried to, f- we seek out those games in on this podcast, I believe. And that's so why I think that's a, you know, tooting our own horn, patting ourselves on the <laughs> back here. Um, I, I think that we are certainly interested in those kinds of games and, and I think everything you articulated a minute ago, Joe, about, about ways to solve that, Challenge that problem. Uh, that's what's interesting. That's that's what makes these games brilliant in their own, even on a small scale. They're 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 really, really brilliant that way. And this is certainly one of those.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, we might. Uh, I think we're getting sort of the, to the end of our time here. Uh, Robbie, you want to? All
1: just like yeah, man. Yeah, yeah,
3: man. I love <laughs> games. Games are awesome. We should do a podcast about. Them. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there's my dogs. Oh, uh, they yeah. agree it's <laughs> here. They think they're telling us to to wrap Everyone's it all up. Everyone's right. drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs>
0: well, um, uh, Yeah, so we can we can go around and give our final thoughts. Um I think I I came into this game, you know, I hear tactical RPG and I my my ears always perk up. Um and then I hear a procedural story and I think, okay, that's neat. Um, and I was just very happy and surprised to find that the 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 story and the care that they take to, uh, the care and attention that they paid to the narrative aspect of the game um, was surprisingly well done. Um, and I, I hope they continue um, not just developing this game, but maybe pushing more, pushing the envelope a little bit more in this space um, in the other games that they make, because if this is their first go at it, um, I'm impressed.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I am so curious uh, both in where they're going next with this and other games and still curious about just how they did this. So I'm going to, the next thing I'm going to do is uh, dig more deeply into how this whole engine works, like I said, under the hood, behind the curtain, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and overall, though, I'm as, as we've kind of been talking about, I'm really glad to see that games are doing this, taking this off the beaten path kind of thing. Uh, Robbie, you mentioned uh, tactical RPGs. And I always really, really want to like a tactical turn-based RPG like this. And I find that they're either Uh, overly cumbersome and just too much too fiddly, too uh, I don't know. Or they're so much like all the other ones in the world that they're just not compelling at all. And I really think this one did a lot of uh, unique and interesting things that made it fun to play. What do you think, Joe? I think I want to hear from Olivia first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I deeply really enjoyed this game because, yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because I, I almost like forget that it's a tactical RPG because the really, the memorable thing to me is just the, the, the narrative. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and the characters and like I still remember them and like even though sometimes it feels like there's they're all the chosen one in their own special way. But <laughs> it's a myth making game, so it totally makes sense and that's really cool. Um and yeah, and it's I love that and on every level it it did something a little bit different than other games, right? I couldn't I can't really even think about one part of the game that 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 totally felt like I had seen it before, which is just really, really cool. Um and I'd really re- recommend it, especially. I guess we were lucky that we squeaked in right before they raised the price. <laughs> um, but even so, like, there's so much content in the game, and it's just really compelling and interesting. So I would definitely uh, recommend it to anyone that's interesting in u- unique narrative stuff, especially.
2: Nice. Um, so I thought it was a breath of fresh air. That's probably the best way I could describe it. I really. I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but it, yeah, it, it's mechanical systems, it's use of of procedural elements, it's it's writing style. Um, It actually, we, it's funny. I really meant to talk about this, but I we didn't talk at all about the the graphic novel series Rat Queens because it really reminds me so much of Rat Queens, Um, and and the the writing style, the the you know anyway. but yeah, I, I would just I would call it a, a kind of breath of fresh air. So if you feel like you've you've played games that have, you know, kind of these elements in them and you know what they are and you're it's all old hat. Um, this is a game that for me at least, it was so pleasant to be surprised by it.
4: Yeah, to piggyback off of what Joe said, uh, I think it is a game that is like stand out in this genre. Um they, I think they picked their battles well in terms of uh uh, what where they apply their strengths? Um, it it smooths out a lot of rough edges I have with uh, these sort of tactical uh, RPG games um, overall. Uh, but it's it's definitely something that uh, I'm gonna come back to. I'm still like hooked into my uh, my current playthrough. Want to see how how everybody ends up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I guess with that, we can, uh, announce next, next month's game.
0: What is it? It's chosen. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, so, so next month I have picked, uh, Spelunky, uh, one, I guess, to be clear. Um, and, uh, it is, uh, supposedly had some, Ooh. some great level generation, uh, and it's published by, uh, Mossmouth.
2: So, looking
4: forward to giving that a
2: try. Awesome. All right. Well, All right. I guess we're right.
0: up. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that is the end of the podcast. Um, we'll see you next month with Spelunky. Um, you feel free to comment on the blog post or on our Facebook page at Little Rock Games. Dot com. Um, dot com. Yes. But also the, the Facebook page <laughs> on Facebook. Uh,
2: oh wait, you said Facebook. Sorry. My bad.
0: <laughs> but also our webpage, yes. Don't forget to visit that. You can also email us at playlittlegames at gmail.com. And the uh yeah, we'll see you next month. The music um, you're hearing
2: underneath us right now
0: is, is Brown Loafer. Plain Lover. Loafer
2: by Kevin Claff. <laughs> and uh we're cracking up because uh somehow we lost brad in the middle of the podcast so and we don't know what to do without him we're totally incompetent at ending the podcast um so uh but yes thanks so much for attending and we'll see you next month on the studying games Bye. bye, bye. bye.